Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. We're going to begin this exciting series tonight. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? This is a, an important topic, folks, and it's a challenging topic. Because think about it for a second. The Holy Spirit can't see it, can't touch it, can't taste it, can't smell it. How do we know that there is such a thing? Well, I would, I would start off by saying this to encourage you. The very fact that you are here tonight is evidence of the Holy Spirit. The very fact that this building exists is evidence of people being led by the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you read your Bible is evidence of the Holy Spirit. The very fact of your striving to to conquer sin in your life and live a holy and righteous life is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit is very evident if you know where to look and if you know what to look for. The Holy Spirit is alive and well today. And it's, a, it's almost, though, at the same time, an incomprehensible thought that if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit is in you. And again, what's the evidence of that? The fact that you're here. You know, all the unsaved people in this community and the surrounding communities that are staying home tonight, they have no compunction, compulsion, compunction to be here whatsoever because they don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, what convicts us to go to church? What, what encourages us to do right? It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is very real. He is very active. We just need to remind ourselves of that. We need... A pastor in the pulpit to remind us of that. Let's start off with just what I would consider an obvious question. Why is it vital to you to have an accurate and a mature understanding of the Holy Spirit? Because I said last Sunday, this is an important series. I mean, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but if you started asking people specific questions, I guarantee you there'd be a lot of people not able to answer those questions. So why is it vital Why is it good that you took the time on this cold winter night to to be here? Well, Charles Spurgeon, I think, hits the nail on the head, or he hit the nail on the head over 100 years ago. He said this, We declare upon scriptural authority that the human will is so desperately set on mischief, so depraved, and so inclined to everything that is evil, and so disinclined to everything that is good, that without the powerful, supernatural, irresistible influence of the Holy Spirit, no human will ever be constrained towards Christ. Do you understand the significance of that? You know, I I realize today you've been dealing with life, you've been dealing with supper, you've been dealing with getting to work, getting home, getting dressed for church, you've been dealing with all the mundane things uh, of life, but tonight I want you to elevate your thoughts. I want you to elevate your thoughts to something remarkable, to something amazing, 
to something that your flesh and the, and, and the, and the world and Satan doesn't want you to think about. And that is the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And what Spurgeon is saying here is that the, upon, that, that the Holy Spirit is critical because if it wasn't for the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, no telling how we would be behaving or what we would be doing. The fact that you're here tonight is evidence of the Holy Spirit. The fact that you want to do right is evidence of the Holy Spirit. The the fact that you feel guilty when you don't do right is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Your desire to read and know God's Word is evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you. It is real. The work of the Holy Spirit is critical in each of us for us to be the kind of of Christian that, that we know God wants us to be. There's another uh, preacher, a modern-day preacher, who said this. I find Christians all over this country who do not understand this truth about their new life in Christ, talking about the Holy Spirit. The truth from which they get their identity is this fact, that Jesus is in them and lives in them. It is to this fact that they should return Whenever there are pressures and problems and difficulties and heartaches and troubles and demands made upon them. Because it is from this fact that the secret of life will flow to them. This is why Jesus places it so centrally in this passage. What passage is he talking about? The passage we're about to look at in John chapter 14. When Jesus was leaving his apostles the night before uh, his crucifixion. He talks to them about the Holy Spirit. What did he say? Well, let's look at what he said. John 14, verse number 15. That night, in the upper chamber, the upper room, I mean, it's a serious time. It is heavy. It is serious. There's there's no joking going on. Perhaps the tension was so uh, thick you could cut it with a knife. And here's what Jesus is saying. His final instructions to these men who are looking at him, you know, perplexed and wondering what's going on. And how are we going to be able to handle this? And we don't understand all of this. He says to them this, if you love me, keep my commandments. He has taught them. He's taught them principles. He's taught them things that they should do. He's taught them things that they shouldn't do. He has taught them doctrine. And his, one of his last words to them is, if you love me, keep my commandments. And in the next breath, he says the following. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, folks, these are astounding words. Again, get your minds off of the everyday routine, mundane things of life, and let's think on a higher plane, on a higher level tonight. Let's, let's, let's think about God. Let's think about what happened these 2,000 years ago and what he is talking about here. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
Jesus had been walking with these men as their instructor, as their helper in the Christian faith, teaching them the Christian faith. And and Jesus had told them of the importance of his relationship with them spiritually. They have followed him. They are at times confused. They are at times perplexed. But he is giving himself to these men. They're going to carry the gospel forward. And he, he tells them, look, though, for you to be successful, you've got to have me with you. You can't do this on your own. In John chapter 15, verse number 5, he says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, he's telling them, you can do nothing. The Bible tells us to assemble ourselves in church, but without me, you're not going to do that. He, teaches, he taught them to pray, but without me, you're not going to do that. He taught them to win souls. He says, but without me, you, you can't do that. Now, as he's about to leave, he is instructing them, keep my commandments. But he's, he's told them, you can't do it without me. But as he's about to leave, in verse number 5, he's, he, or verse number 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus knows these are sinful men. These are men of sinful passions. Proud men, arrogant men. And Jesus knows how hard it is for men to keep his commandments. So as he's leaving, he recognizes their vulnerability and says, okay, without me you can do nothing. And now, and now he's saying, but I'm leaving you. Okay, well, now we're in a pickle. You know, you've told us we can't do this work of ministry, this being, you know, Christ-like without you, and now you're leaving, and as you're leaving, you're, you're again, reminding us, keep my commandments. And that's why in verse number 6, recognizing their vulnerability, he tells them this. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. For the years he had been with them, he was their comforter. He is about to be executed tomorrow in this scenario. And he knows that. He is going to be... His physical body is going to be taken from them. So he has told them, you can't do anything without me. But at the same time, keep my commandments. So it's in the next breath that he reassures them. That I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter. And in verse number 26, if you skip down in that same chapter, down to verse number 26, he identifies who this comforter is. Okay, And by the way, all this applies to you and me. Because because God wants us to keep his commandments. And yet it applies to us also that without him we can do nothing. So what he was telling them about the comforter coming, we are equally dependent upon the comforter uh, to be successful for the Lord as were these apostles that he was talking directly to. But in verse number 26, you know, he clearly identifies who the comforter is. So we skip down to verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He is saying, I am leaving you, but another comforter is going to come. Now, Albert Barnes says in his commentary on these verses, the word comforter, and that's the word that the Lord used, is frequently used by Greek writers to denote an advocate in a court, one who intercedes, a monitor, a teacher, an assistant, a helper. It is somewhat difficult, therefore, to fix the precise meaning of the word. It may be translated either advocate, monitor, teacher, or helper, or, or all the above. So when he says, I'm going to leave you a comforter, it's important for us to know what that means. And a comforter, in this case, is, is, is a helper. It, it, it's, it's someone to teach you. It, it's, it's a monitor. It, it, it's someone to advocate for you. Another writer said, essentially, the Holy Spirit is sent to empower and help the believer live the Christian life. And that's what he was sent for. And we need to understand the importance of that. The Lord gives us commands. This book is filled with principles, commands, do's and don'ts. And then the Lord leaves. And that's problematic because without him, we can do nothing. I mean, if the apostles couldn't do anything without him that he was speaking to directly, for sure, we can't do anything without him. But the good news is, he did not leave them comfortless. He sent to them the Holy Spirit. And that's true for you and I today. And that's so important because if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you right now, you're not saved. But on the flip side of that, if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, in the verses we just read in John chapter 14, what he told them that evening before his crucifixion, there's a great deal of information there about the Holy Spirit. You and I need to know. And that's why it was, number one, recorded. And number two, why it has been miraculously preserved for 2,000 years, recorded in Israel, and here I am 2,000 years later in northeast Michigan sharing those very words because they're important. And that's why I'm so pleased that you're here tonight. The folks that are home watching Wheel of Fortune, they're, they're, they're just focused. I mean, that's all well and good, Wheel of Fortune. But, I mean, it, it, it's important that we take the time to get our minds off of the mundane off of the, you know, the, the, the routines of life and, and think about what God means to us. So we're going to look at seven truths Jesus taught us concerning the Holy Spirit, okay? And we need to know this. This applies to us. This, this is something we dare not be ignorant about. And it's all in what he told them that evening in that upper room. Number one, what I want us to go home reassured of and aware of tonight is that the Holy Spirit is sent directly to you from God. It is a gift from God. He told them in verse number 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. He will give you an advocate. 
He will give you a monitor. He will give you a teacher or a helper because without me, you can do nothing. So I was your comforter while I was here in the flesh, Jesus would say. I'm leaving you in the flesh. So replacing is the Holy Spirit. John MacArthur said the priestly and intercessory work of Christ began with the request that the Father send the Holy Spirit to indwell the people of faith. It is amazing as we go about life trying to make a living, trying to raise our kids, worried how we're going to replace the refrigerator when it breaks down, that above all of that is Jesus' concern for his children then and his children now, that he would pray to the Father, that the Father would send the Holy Ghost, would send the Holy Spirit. And you and I are privileged this evening, having been saved, and I would hope and pray that everybody in this room is, that we are, upon our salvation experience, we are recipients of exactly what Christ paid for. Well, what is the evidence of it? Well, one of them would be, you're here. That's very strong evidence that the Holy Spirit is here. And I think it can be equally said that all the lost people that aren't here, they haven't received the Holy Spirit. So number one, the Holy Spirit is sent directly to you from God. We learn secondly in this small passage that the Holy Spirit will forever be a constant companion. So after he says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter, he says in verse number 16, the second part, that he may abide with you forever. He will abide with you forever. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't reside with us as long as we're on good behavior. No, he is with us forever. Albert Bourne says, not that we should remain, not that he should remain with you for a few years, as I have done, Jesus would say, and then leave you, but be with you in all places to the close of your life. He shall be your constant guide and attendant. And no matter what you're going through, how wonderful a thought that is this evening as we elevate our thoughts tonight above the mundane and the routines of life and pause for a moment and, and, and think about the Holy Spirit being sent to us from God and that he will abide with you forever. He's not going to come and go. He's not going to be pernicious about that. He is going to be with you. He's going to take up residency and he is going to be there. I can't help but help you. You know, as you go home this evening, you know, too often we're just doing the stuff of life. And you have to. We all have to. You've got to make a living. got to decide what's for breakfast in the morning and, and, and what have you. But it, it's just an amazing thought. Number three, in this same passage, we learn the Holy Spirit will keep you from error and mistakes by guiding you. He says, and will abide with you forever. And then in verse number, four, or verse number 17, he calls him even the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. You know, the big question mark in this life is, what is true? What is false? What is real? What is illusionary? You know, what, what can I count on? What can I rely on? 
And he sends us the spirit of truth. And how fascinating that is. Matthew Henry said, in his take, he will be true to you and to his undertaking for you, which he will perform to the utmost. He will teach you the truth. Will enlighten your minds with the knowledge of it. Will strengthen and confirm your belief of it. And will increase your love to it. You know, it, it seems as if the world around us, does it not, is going slap dab nuts from Washington, D.C. to everywhere? I mean, it's just, it is amazing. I mean, I, I, I preach. To the men, taught the men when we had our uh, last split sessions about, you know, attacks on, on masculinity. You know, the Satan's attacks, the world's attacks, your flesh's attack on, on masculinity. And in the last week, all I've heard is that masculinity is bad. How many of you have heard that? I mean, it's been all over the place. That, that masculinity, I mean, we live in a wicked and a perverse world I mean, it is so true that that which used to be good is now bad, and that which used to be bad is now good. How are you going to get it straight? How are you going to know? Because all all of these people are pressuring you. They're vying for your attention. They're vying for your loyalty. Thank goodness you have the spirit of truth. And that's why we're not going to buy into that junk. And that's why we're going to be swimming upstream. Because we have the spirit of truth. These other people, they're floundering, they're looking, they're searching, they're trying to come up with this, you know, this will be a fad for a while, then that'll be a fad for a while, and it doesn't make sense. But with the Holy Spirit, you just keep marching. And what, how is that? And by the way, it's been, it's been done through the, the last 20 centuries, the last 2,000 years. There's always been... And sometimes they were called just a remnant. There's always been a traceable remnant since Christ of people who, they, they share commonality through all these centuries because they're guided and they're influenced by the truth. We're not going to be a whole lot different than true believers of 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,500 years ago. You realize that? We're not going to be a whole lot different from them. As far as our values, our morality, our ethics, our our thoughts about where we came from, why we're here, or where we're going. What's the common denominator there? The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit that resided in them. Started in the, you know, when when the Lord talked to the apostles about it. Then they're at Pentecost and through the centuries. So understand, the Holy Spirit will keep you from error and mistakes by guiding you with truth, even the spirit of truth. Then number four, in this same passage, the Holy Spirit, with all his benefits, is only available to believers. And that would explain a lot of the tension right now. You know, liberals, progressives, secularists, humanists, call them whatever you you, you want, I mean, They make fun of us. They want to get rid of us. They are more emboldened today than ever they were when I was a young person. And the reason is, we have the spirit of truth. Look at what he says in verse number 17, the second part. Whom the world cannot receive, 
Why? They could be saved, but he explains, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. Albert Bourne said, The men of the world are under the influence of the senses. That is so true, and that is so profound, and that explains so much right there. They walk by sight and not by faith. Hence, they cannot perceive by their senses what does not gratify their sight or taste or feelings, makes no impression on them. As they cannot see the operations of the Spirit, they judge that all that is said of his influence is delusive, and hence they cannot receive him. They have an erroneous mode of judging what is for the welfare of man. If you took time to think about what was just read, that is prophetic at the time that Albert Barnes wrote that years ago. That explains the craziness that we're seeing in politics today. And we, you know, un, unsaved people act like unsaved people. You can have no confidence in them. You can have no trust in them. You dare not be influenced by them. You dare not be led by them. They have no, they do not have the Holy Spirit. They do not, and that, that, explains, that explains so much. Number five, the Holy Spirit in all his wisdom and power dwells with you. Dwells with you. The next point is that he is in you. A minor distinction, but a distinction nonetheless that is in Scripture. Verse number 17 says, For he dwelleth with you. Spurgeon's really good at explaining these kind of nuances between, well, what's the difference between with and in? Here's what Spurgeon had to say about with. You never find our Lord repelling their approaches or resenting their familiarities. He did not draw a ring around himself and say, keep your distance. Now in the same manner, the spirit of truth deals with believers. He dwells with you. You may go to him at any time. You may ask what you will of him. You may speak to him as a man speaks with his friend. He is with you. He is not to be thought of as distant and aloof. But as Spurgeon says, he is your friend. He is your comforter. He is, he's there to assist Comforter basically means helper. He's there to help you. You know, the, the Lord and the apostles, they, they faced hostility. They faced persecution. They were made fun of. They suffered for their beliefs. And the Lord was with those original apostles. And when he left, he said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send you another comforter. And today, we face hostility. We face people who do not appreciate or applaud what we believe one little bit. But we'll be able to handle it today, just like the apostles handled it, and the first believers handled it back then. There were believers back then that were moms, dads, kids, Teenagers, people with arthritis, people that didn't know how they were going to pay all their bills, regular folks. 
And the Holy Spirit came to them and was with them. But not only that, number six, Jesus told those men that evening that he'll be with you. The Holy Spirit resides in you as a king within his palace. He shall be in you. Again, if I could quote Spurgeon. He shall be in you, Spurgeon said. It is a wonderful fact. The Spirit shall be in you as the source of your life and the force of your life. What cannot a man do when the Holy Spirit is in him? He is in you. He is in me. And again, that's a little hard for our finite minds to comprehend, particularly when you can't see him, touch him, taste him, smell him, hear him. You can't use any of your senses. But as I said earlier, you can see the effects. You can see the results. There is a reason you are here tonight and lost people are not. There is a reason it matters to you to be in church. And there's a reason it doesn't matter to them. It's a reason, there's a reason tomorrow that you're going to feel compelled to to do your Bible study or to do your devotion. There's a reason they won't even think about it. Won't mean anything to them. And there's a reason that you'll feel guilty should you say the wrong thing tomorrow, do the wrong thing, or whatever. And they would not feel any guilt. It's the Holy Spirit. And then number seven. Lastly, the Holy Spirit's help for you is personally guaranteed by Jesus. To the degree that you can trust Jesus Christ with your salvation and your soul for all eternity, you can trust him with the fact that the Holy Spirit is with you. I will will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And that was in the form of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to this very day. Warren Wearsby, his take on that phrase. The word translated comfortless in John 14, 18 means orphans. We are not alone, abandoned, helpless, and hopeless. Wherever we go, the Spirit is with us. So why should we feel like orphans? There is no need to have a troubled heart when you have the very Spirit of God dwelling within you. So it's been good tonight to lift our thoughts towards heaven. Our flesh, the world, and Satan would love to just keep us focused on the messy here and now today. We come to God's Word in John chapter 14, and we're thinking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. God praying, I mean, Jesus praying that the Father would send him and clarifying to us that There's going to be a difference because people are not going to know him because they don't want to know him. But when he comes into you, he's going to be with you. He's going to dwell in you. And it's guaranteed here. So in review, the Holy Spirit, we learned tonight, is sent directly to you from God. The Holy Spirit will forever be a constant companion. 
The Holy Spirit will keep you from error and mistakes by guiding you with truth. You know, that, that's, that's the reason all this crazy stuff in society today, whether it's coming from Hollywood or from Washington or wherever it might be coming from, you know, there's a reason we're not buying it. There's a reason that we know better. Because we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Holy Spirit with all his benefits is only available to believers. The Holy Spirit in all his wisdom and power dwells with you. The Holy Spirit resides in you as a king within his palace. And the Holy Spirit's help for you is personally guaranteed by Jesus Christ. Let me conclude with some words from Wearsby. He said, the Holy Spirit abides in the believer. He is a gift from the Father in answer to the prayer of the Son. During his earthly ministry, Jesus had guided, guarded, and taught his disciples. But now, he was going to leave them. The Spirit of God would come to them and dwell in them, taking the place of their master. Jesus called the Spirit another comforter. And the Greek word translated another means another of the same kind. The Spirit of God is not different from the Son of God, for both are God. The Spirit of God had dwelt with the disciples in the person of Jesus Christ. Now he would dwell in them. And now, having spent a few moments on a cold winter's night in January, John 14 and 15 is very comforting. Jesus told them the night before his crucifixion, if you love me, keep my commandments. They knew that something was going to happen the next day and they, they really couldn't put their minds around it because he had also told them before that without me you can do nothing. And they pretty much figured that out because they saw what he could do. And now he tells them that he's going to leave them but at the same time, he says, keep my commandments. And then he explains how all that can happen for them and for us 2,000 years later. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And on the day of Pentecost, it happened, and it's been happening throughout all these generations up to this very present day. God's Word has lifted our thoughts and, I hope, lifted our hearts this evening. Let's stand in prayer, please. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. 
If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.